Hey, podcast listeners, it's Mike. Uh, this week on the Upload Podcast, I'm trying something a little crazy. I went ahead and tried to use the live feature on the YouTube app. I noticed that on the uh, YouTube app for the iPhone, it finally has a live feature, so I'm trying it out. And if it's a complete failure, everyone can see it live on the air. So uh, today on the show, though, I have a personal update and an explanation of why I missed the last episode. So if you if you noticed two Tuesdays ago, uh, I didn't have an episode. So sorry about that. I have a quick explanation. Also have some thoughts about how you can stereotype the right way. So there is actually a good way of stereotyping. I'll talk about that for a second because I had some thoughts on it. And then also some thoughts on a surefire way to destroy your dreams. I don't know if, uh, if there's any better way to put that, but I also have some thoughts on how to avoid it. So not a totally negative one, but I'll get started by telling you what happened uh, to me a couple weeks ago. I was actually on vacation. I thought I would have time to record before I left with the family to go to Charleston, and I ended up not. We had a lot of family stuff going on. I had people around, and I just made the decision that, hey, you know what? Family's more important at this point. I'm going to just focus on that and focus on getting ready for vacation and enjoy my time off. I thought about uh, jumping up. We had this crow's nest thing in the uh, rental house we had. We were down in Charleston, South Carolina, and there was this uh, rooftop patio, basically a rooftop deck. And I thought, hey, that would be a cool place to record from. But uh, then I also realized that there was an incredibly loud ocean sound. So for a podcast, that probably would have been about the worst idea possible. So decided against that and decided instead just to just to focus on um, on the family and, and relaxing and taking a little bit of a break on vacation. So uh, during that, though, it was a lot of fun. Uh, they had a pool at the rental house that we were in. And uh, Eve kind of learned to swim. So that was exciting. Uh, she had a little floaties thing, and uh, at first she was terrified of the water, but after a while, uh, when she stopped drinking the water obsessively, uh, I was able to get her to float a little bit on her own. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, I grew up swimming. I, I'm from Michigan, so I was always swimming in lakes and stuff like that. And so Eve gets a little better experience getting to learn how to swim in pools, but uh, I wanted her to, to learn to swim as well. As far as work goes, that's been crazy busy as well. I know I've been sharing that on the podcast, but a lot of good stuff coming out of that. Um, I'm really buckling down into a busy time now where I'm going to be doing some actual writing and creating of the materials that I've been designing for the last few months along with my team. Uh, Out of that came the stereotype thing. So um, I know I've talked a lot about Scrum and Agile methodologies and things like that. Well, one of the things that I know I've mentioned before is this concept of user roles. And uh, what user roles are is they're not people. So that's the that's the first thing that's important to realize is that when you talk about a user role for Scrum or Agile, you're not talking about a person. A person could be uh, part of your process, and we call that a persona, but it's not the user role. Instead, the user role is any person who happens to have a particular set of experiences or desires or um, experience with you. So for instance, the easiest way to think about this is, let's say you had a website where you're trying to sell something. Someone who has never been to your website before is a new user, is a first-time visitor, whatever you want to call them. That person has a unique bundle of experiences. Someone who has been a longtime customer of yours could be the same person just years down the road, has a different set of experiences and a different set of desires and needs when they've been your customer for 10 years and they're very loyal. And where that becomes important is that 
what you're targeting for the prospect, for the person who's never used your services before, and what you're doing for the person who's been there for 10 years are totally different things. So when they land on your webpage for the first time, they care about different parts of it. The person who's new really cares about the About Us page. The person who's been there for 10 years could care less about the About Us page because they know all about you. So it's things like that. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but it's a good one to think about for a while. And the reason I say that it's the right way to stereotype is that it's not a person. It's a bundle of experiences. So it's the right way to think about your user roles and what would people like that or people in that situation want? What would they need? How can I stereotype someone who's been a customer for 10 years? And the reason that's the right way is it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with sex or any of the things that uh, get us in trouble for stereotyping. Instead, it's a totally legitimate way to think about people and to save yourself time and do a better job of targeting your services or your product or whatever it is that you're offering up a better job of targeting that to people because you're not just broad spraying it to everybody as if they're the same. You're saying that people who have this set of user desires or user experiences, uh, they have different needs that I need to address. So it's a way of personalizing again to get back to that theme that I've brought up over the last several episodes. Using user roles to define people more narrowly is a great way to personalize the experience. If you can find ways to target the experience or change the experience or change your communications and branding, whatever it might be, based on someone's user role, they're going to feel like it's a much more personalized situation, like you get them, you understand their needs and their wants. So that one's for free. That's just an update about uh, what I've been learning at work and what I've been focused on. Uh, What I wanted to talk about today in the podcast, though, is something that I've been learning from a different source than uh, what I normally talk about. So the past few podcast episodes, I've been talking about books that I've been reading, um, especially ones that I've been listening to on Audible now. Uh, A big fan of listening to audiobooks. I've really gotten into that. But before I was ever listening to audiobooks, I was listening to podcasts. And so podcasts are still a big part of my life, Uh, maybe not as big as before, but they are still a, a thing that I really count on and I love to listen to when I'm walking the dog or driving the car or whatever. And what I've found is that by having a variety of sources of podcasts, so different genres, different people, all sorts of things like that, I really get a great amount of input into my work and just my life in general from these different sources. And it seems like they all speak to me in different ways and they all have different things to contribute to my life. And uh, the mix of those together is where the magic happens. It's really cool. So one of them, it probably non-traditional if, uh, if you're not part of church circles. If you're not a Christian and part of church circles, you've, you might not have ever heard of this guy named Andy Stanley. He's on TV once in a while, but I wouldn't really consider him a televangelist type person. It's just more that he pastors a very large church. And so his um, services are online as well, online and on TV. Well, he has a podcast and I listen to it. And to be honest, Andy Stanley is one of these guys who really gets business and gets leadership. And so he comes at it from a Christian perspective, but he's also one of the people I know who's the most careful about not trying to pigeonhole into a really weird um, Christian experience that doesn't make sense and isn't applicable to life. (laughs) It just gets really bizarre. He's very good about applying what he feels are Christian principles to life, to reality. And so uh, I've read several of his books. I listen to a lot of his podcast episodes, and I have gotten more about business and more about leadership from him than a lot of the business books 
that I've read that are, that are just strictly business. And so um, what I've really been thinking about uh, was based on one of his podcasts, one of his recent podcasts. And for me, it really struck a chord because one of the things I struggle with, and maybe this is something that you struggle with too, especially as a creative, is that there are things that I know I want to do and things that I know I should do and things that I really, really, really want to do, um, but I just don't do them. So that's confusing. That's frustrating. I've talked about it before on previous episodes, and I think it's a common thing for creatives, that we have all these great ideas, we have these passions, we have dreams, we have desires, and the hardest thing is actually doing the things that we want to do the most. It sounds totally counterintuitive. I'm sure people look at us sometimes and think, what's wrong with those creative people? Because if I want to do something, I, I just do it. And there are a million reasons. You could go on for several episodes of a podcast talking about all the reasons that we don't do things. But I think that uh, there are some things that we can do to address this problem without going through a counseling session and trying to diagnose why we're not doing the things. One of the things is to address the issue of learning as a safety net. And I can say this because uh, I'm a learning professional. I write learning materials for a living. I design learning experiences. And I know uh, just from myself and from uh, people around me, people that uh, I'm creating materials for, that learning is engaging. I remember learning that when I was uh, in my master's program, master's of education, was that learning in itself can be a reward. You don't always have to reward people for learning because learning itself is a reward. People enjoy learning. It's kind of pre-programmed into us. The problem comes in the fact that it is rewarding and it feels good and it feels like you're accomplishing something. It feels like you're doing something just by learning. So just by reading more or listening to more podcasts or watching TED Talks or whatever, you feel like you're making progress towards a dream or towards a goal when in reality, you're just learning more about it. So is research and planning and preparation and all of that essential? Absolutely. But it can be deceptive because it feels like more progress than it really is. And so I'm, uh, I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here, uh, preaching to myself as well, in that um, I'm saying one of the keys, and this is going to sound stupid, but I'll flesh it out a little bit, is that we actually have to do stuff. We actually have to do the things that we're learning, the things that we're learning about. We have to actually go out and do those things. The key, though, is that we have to start now. We have to start at this moment. You can't wait and put it off. So this is what I mean by the uh, pathway to uh, destroying your dreams. The pathway to destroying your dreams is to always say that I will do that, or I'm going to, or someday I want to, all of any, any variation of that. That is absolutely the pathway to destroying your dreams. The better path is to think about what can I do today? What can I start on today? What little step could I take today towards my goal or towards my dreams? Or what is the one thing that I could change and start doing today that I really want to do? I heard an executive at my company um, say this, and I thought it was really relevant and it really hit home for me. She said, don't confuse activity with productivity. And I think that's huge because that gets at what I'm talking about with learning more and reading more. That's activity. Activity, activity, activity. I'm doing something. I'm talking about my dreams. I'm talking about what I want to do, but I'm not actually productive. I'm not actually doing it. So don't confuse activity with productivity. And remember that the goal 
for all of us, myself included, is not just to know how to do stuff or really know more about the stuff, but it's it's actually to do it. If you're a creative, if you're a maker, then you are creating something or you're making something. So if you're just learning about creativity or learning about making stuff, that's a good start, but it's not the actual thing. You're not part of the team. You're not actually playing the game at that point. And uh, one of the examples that Andy Stanley used that I thought was um, really helpful to think about how ridiculous it is when I and you, when we sit there and we, we talk about change and we talk about taking a step or doing something and not doing it, is it's like looking in a mirror and then just walking away and forgetting about what we saw. And that sounds really stupid, but if you think about it, when you look in a mirror, almost every time you look in a mirror, you probably do something. You either change your hair a little bit or you adjust your shirt or you get the kale out of your teeth or whatever it is. There's usually something that when you look in a mirror, if nothing else, you just kind of say, all right, I'm good. I think uh, I've done a check. I've got no crazy growths coming out. Um, looks like I've shaved within the last 12 days. I think I'm good to go. But you, you usually do something when you look in the mirror. But how foolish would it be if you looked in the mirror and you see something crazy, you've got ketchup all over the side of your face, and you say, huh, uh, someday I'm going to do something about that ketchup. And then you walk away, right? Did you accomplish anything by noticing that there's ketchup on your face? No. Did you accomplish anything by noticing that you need to lose 15 pounds and then just walking away and forgetting about it? No. I mean, we could go on. We could go on and on about this. But that's what it's like when we think about something that we want to do or should do, and then we just read more about it or learn more about it and walk away and never actually do the thing. So um, today I just, I wanted to reflect on this and I challenge you to, to join me in reflecting on this, but what are you doing now that you know you shouldn't be doing and you tell yourself that you'll stop doing it later? That's one thing. The other one you could reflect on is kind of the opposite side of the coin. What are you not doing now that you should be doing and you tell yourself you'll do it later? So the two, two similar kind of things, but what are you doing now that you shouldn't be doing and you tell yourself you'll stop doing later? What are you not doing now that you should be doing and you tell yourself that you'll do it later? Everybody who has a failed dream, everybody who gets to the end of life and realizes they didn't accomplish what they set out to accomplish has some form of, oh, I used to say I ought to or I had opportunities to change and I didn't. I should have done this. I should have done that. But they kept kicking the can down the road and not doing it. And, and that's the thing that's hitting home to me is it's like inertia in physics, if you ever took beginning physics or anything like that, that objects in motion like to stay in motion. Objects that are stationary want to stay stationary. It's kind of the same thing with us. It's the same thing with me. It's the same thing with you, is that if we say, I want to be down there, I want to be in that place in the future, I want to do these things in the future, we have to start the movement in that direction now. We have to start the momentum today, even if it's something small, even if it's not the actual things. So uh, for me, I'm going to start uh, with with two little small steps. So my uh, sister-in-law, Grace, uh, as part of my birthday present, she offered to go through a couple branding exercises with me. It gave me a list of things that I could choose from. It's a really cool idea on her part. She's got some knowledge of different branding stuff and SEO marketing as part of her work. And she offered to help me out with the website, the podcast, the whole deal, and to do that for me. Well, I keep saying to myself, I should do that and I ought to do that. Uh, but 
I'm not actually making any progress on it and I'm not improving my website and I'm not improving this podcast because I just keep saying I should do that thing. I should do it later. So one thing I'm committing to is that I'm going to text her tonight and tell tell her that I want to take her up on that offer and which one does she think would be the best one for me to do. So I'm going to commit to that. The other one is I have really wanted to change the branding of my website and uh, of the podcast. So the colors, the color scheme, the fonts, all that kind of stuff. Just make it consistent across all the different platforms and really have a cool icon and logo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm going to get started on that. And I'm going to uh, send a Facebook message to someone who I know could do a great job on that. And I want to get started with her. But I've been thinking about it for months and meaning to reach out, but I just haven't done it. Because it's easier to not do it. It's easier to think about it. It's easier to read articles about branding. It's easier to read articles about SEO instead of actually engaging and putting in the work. So I don't know what it is for you, but I I encourage you to think through that. What is the one thing, just one thing that you've been saying, I should do this or I should stop doing this because it's destructive to what I'm trying to get to? What, are, what should you do or what should you not do? And then what is a small step you can take in that direction? How can you get the ball rolling? And I think what you'll see is what I'll see. And I, I'm, I'm going to be happy to share it as we move on with more episodes of the podcast is that once the momentum gets rolling, the next steps are so much easier. And actually accomplishing things is motivation to accomplish more things and to stop just talking about it. So that's all I have for this week. I realize I'm getting close on time, so I'm going to wrap it up here. But as always, I would love to hear your comments, your stories, your questions, anything. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me on the Facebook page. It is the Upload Podcast. You can search for that on Facebook. Uh, You can also go to my website, MikeGrosier.com. It's G-R-O-E-S-S-E-R, MikeGrosier.com. I'd love to uh, engage with you there. And you can also check out the show notes for this and other episodes. But as I always say, until next time, I hope you take a risk and move from dreaming to doing.